Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show, World Soccer Radio on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM. I'm your host, Nick Gieber. It is great to be with you. I apologize for my absence this week. I actually lost my voice earlier in the week, uh, which makes being a radio host pretty difficult, to be honest with you. Um, but it started to feel better yesterday afternoon and some tea and some coffee and some hot water and... I'm actually feeling like uh, we can make it through the next hour together here. So welcome to the show. We've got a lot to get to today. Uh, Because I have been absent much of this week, we haven't talked about the incredible weekend in the Premier League, European football that went on this week. We had Champions League. We've had Europa League. And of course, we have a massive, massive slate of Premier League matches coming up over the weekend. I'm going to go through each and every one of you, uh, each and every one of them with you for our patented Premier League Pundits preview and prognostication show, all of those Ps as I try to battle through today. Lots to get to. When we come back, I want to talk about a very sobering subject, actually. Uh, The Guardian is reporting, uh, Guardian, a newspaper in the United United Kingdom, is reporting uh, on the number of deaths that have occurred in Qatar in order to build out what is needed for the 2022 World Cup. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion about this when I come back, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the World Cup in uh, the winter of next year in Qatar. I'm going to give you my opinion. If you've been listening to this show, you've probably heard my opinion on this before, but we're going to get to it again. And then we will get into the match previews. We're going to look at the Premier League, talk about the table. As I say, pretty much... Week on week now, the last since uh, mid-December, is anyone going to catch Manchester City? I doubt it. But let's talk about United. They have a huge match coming up over the weekend against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Leicester City have another have a big match at home at the KP against Arsenal. Liverpool, a much easier outing to Bramall Lane to, fa- to face Sheffield United. So we're going to go through all of the matches coming up in the Premier League as I give you the full preview. All right, um... We are presented by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. I do hope you'll have an opportunity to go check them out, and I'll be talking about them a little more uh, later on in the show. I'd like to welcome all all of our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. It's great to have you with me. Uh, I'm going to take a break. Be right back after this. All right, well, welcome back. Look, football might be over. Yeah, the Super Bowl is, uh, you know, receding in one's memories. We do have, of course, the NBA, college basketball, hockey, a whole bunch of stuff going on. Not least of which is the Premier League, the Champions League, the Europa League, Ligue 1, Serie A, La Liga. Yeah, you get it, right? But the only place that you should be betting on these sports, my friends, is betonline.ag. They even cover awards TV shows, reality TV, uh, politics. They've got awesome, awesome prop bets, hundreds of them. They've got real-time odds on almost anything you could imagine. And they do also have 
a 24-hour casino. So head over to the website, that's betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. Once again, head over and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And when you do bet a little bit at BetOnline, and it's a load, load of fun, you should definitely do it, just be responsible. Yeah. Don't be a knob end. Be a little bit responsible. Make it a part of your entertainment and not a lifestyle, and then you should be just fine. Okay, let's get to it, shall we? Let's start with this rather sobering statistic. You know, interestingly enough, I've been I posted over the last couple of days on my uh, Twitter account, my Facebook page at World Soccer Radio and Twitter at Nick Eber. You know, listen, I like Tiger Woods. I have nothing against Tiger Woods. I think the Tiger story is the stuff that movies are made of. Uh, indeed, they are. And, um, you know, I don't I don't have a, a, a bone to pick, a gripe. He's not somebody I despise or any of those. I think he's a, a fascinating guy, to be honest with you, and an excellent golfer. And the sort of redemption story of Tiger Woods after his comeback winning the Masters. Great stuff. I was uh, saddened to hear about his solo car accident. Uh, and, and pleased that he's going to live. Uh, saddened that he will have, obviously, some sort of orthopedic um, struggles going forward. But, but that's life. Look, where I'm going with this is the news cycles. In a, in a week where we've surpassed a half a million COVID deaths, we have a $1.9 trillion relief bill going through Congress. The new president is trying to get his cabinet members picked. Texas is recovering from a, a, a an, an absolute disaster of epic proportions. And the coolest thing on the planet, well, the coolest thing off the planet is the uh, NASA Perseverance rover that is sending back absolutely gobsmacking, jaw-dropping images of another planet. The news cycle is almost entirely taken up over the last 48 hours with Tiger Woods. And, and I'm sorry, that's silly. So let's get to it because I want to talk about a similar story, <laughs> not about Tiger Woods, but The Guardian reporting 65 100 migrant workers have died in Qatar as it gears up for the World Cup. Now, we've been talking about this on this show on and off for a number of years, actually. Starting with the awarding of the 2022 World Cup to Qatar, which was a travesty and a joke. And I'm going to tell you, it was a joke because you're talking about a nation with Zippo, Zilch, zero footballing legacy, history, influence. You're talking about a tiny, teeny country whose population is vastly smaller than the number of people that attend the World Cup every year. You're talking about a country that doesn't have any football infrastructure, let alone history. And you give them the World Cup. Now, folks... That seems to be absolutely ludicrous, and, and, and I would agree. But I do not blame Qatar for this. I blame FIFA for this during the Sepp Blatter era and the Michel Platini era at uh, UEFA that 
the government of Qatar was able to secure the World Cup through graft and bribery, which they clearly did. But you're going to say, well, Nick, that's a terrible thing to say. So why are you not blaming the Qatar government? Well, I'm not blaming them because that's the game. That's the game that you had to play if you wanted to get the World Cup. And that's the game that was put out there. And it, everybody played it. And it just happened that the uh, the uh, the rulers of Qatar did a uh, better job, made a more lucrative offer, you know, reached the... Uh, plumped the pocketbooks of more FIFA officials. So that's why I don't blame them, because they played the game and they, they won, and, and that was the game. I blame FIFA, of course. I blame Seth Platter. I blame Michelle Platini. I blame, you know, a whole litany and cast of shady FIFA executives. But you can't really blame Cutter for playing the game that was presented to them and playing it well. But what you can blame them for is a horrible, horrible record of human rights. So because they didn't have any football infrastructure, and indeed, if I might add, it's a very, very small country with really no, not enough infrastructure to host something as monumental as the World Cup, has required an enormous project of public works and building that has cost the lives of 6,500 migrant workers. I'm going to say that again. 6,500 migrant workers, from largely from India, Bangladesh, Nepal, Sri Lanka, some uh, from Pakistan. It's believed the toll is a lot higher because they don't have results from the Philippines and Kenya, and also deaths from the final months of 2020. It could be as high as 8,000. I mean, this is absolutely shocking. And why are they dying? They're dying because they are basically uh, indentured servants coming across after paying fees to people who are finding them work. And they're working long hours in poor conditions. Their living conditions are squalid. They're treated as second, third, and fourth class citizens, although they're not citizens, in fairness. There's migrant workers. And listen to this. This is what FIFA says about this. Well, with the very stringent health and safety measures on site, the frequency of accidents on FIFA World Cup construction sites <coughs> has been low when compared to other major construction projects around the world, they said. And according to The Guardian, provided no evidence for that. But I'm going to ask you this. If you're FIFA... And a country comes to you and says, we're going to kill 10,000 people so that we can build the stadiums for you to have your soccer tournament. Why don't you say, ah, no, thank you. No matter how much money you're going to stuff in my pocket, that is a price that is just too high to pay. But you know why they don't say that? because they want the money. The organizing committee in Qatar said, quote, we deeply regret all of the tragedies and investigated each incident to ensure lessons were learned. We've always maintained transparency around the issue and dispute inaccurate claims around the number of workers who have died around our projects. I call bollocks on that. 
6,500, probably as high as 8,000, 9,000. It's shocking. Madhu Bolapali, 43 years old, left his wife Latha and a 13-year-old son Rajesh in India to take this job in Qatar, and they never saw him again. Despite working for his employer for six years, his wife and son received just 1,100 pounds. That's about $1,500 in compensation for unpaid salaries. He had no health problems. There was nothing wrong with him. Yet, they said he died of heart failure. It's enough, folks. When I come back, we'll wrap this discussion up and start our match previews. I'll be right back. All right, so um, welcome back to the show, World Soccer Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Nick Geber. Find me on Twitter, at Nick Geber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. Uh, it is great to be with you. I'm with you each and every weeknight from 6 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 Eastern time right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also Sirius XM, the American Forces Network, and our digital platforms, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, the award-winning Sirius XM app. And by the way, if you miss any part of this show, uh, you can catch us Right after the show is over, actually, uh, you can find us on our podcast network, which is the Believe, B-L-E-A-V podcast network. Uh, We'd love it if you were to head over there and subscribe and have this little bit of daily goodness. Well, I have my voice back, of course, downloaded for you, uh, for your gym, for your workout, for your cross-country flight, for whatever it is you're doing. and I hope you'll make me a regular part of your week. I'm with you each and every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. And then again, midnight Pacific time, 3 a.m. on the East Coast on Sports Overnight America. Okay, so before the break, we're talking. To, I was talking a little bit about the issue in Qatar. Uh, and it's a big issue. Uh, I was talking about Madhu Bolapali, uh, 43 years old, in, in good health. Heads over to Qatar. For six years, leaves his wife and 13-year-old son in India as he heads over to Qatar in 2013, and that was it. In 2019, Bolipali's body was found by his roommate on the floor. His death recorded as heart failure due to natural, natural causes. Six years he worked for his employer at the World Cup. His wife and son receiving just 1,120 pounds. That's about $1,400, give or take, 1,500. In compensation and unpaid salary, uh, Rajesh has no idea why his dad died. He had no health problems, and there was nothing wrong with him. Um, Why? I suppose we could say, why have half a million Americans died of COVID? Why have nearly 10,000 people died in the construction of what is essentially the world's biggest vanity project. Let's be honest. The World Cup is the world's biggest and most expensive vanity project. I I think we can all agree on that, right? It's a shocker. 
You know, you blame Qatar for the death of the workers. Absolutely. They are to blame for the working conditions and for the business arrangements that they allow. Why Qatar as a nation doesn't create its own nationalized employment agency where they can have government controls? You know why? Because they don't want to. They don't want it. They just want the cheap slave labor, come in, build the stuff 24 hours a day, 120 degree heat, not enough water, bad living conditions. They don't care. Put my buildings up. And so they offload responsibility to all of these shady uh, labor agencies, etc., etc. I'm sorry. That is Cutter's fault 100%. The deaths on the job, are, I blame Cutter. Giving the World Cup to Qatar, which is a stupid and moronic and idiotic and almost a decision that defies any level of logic, is entirely FIFA's fault. So they share culpability. The blood of eight to 10,000 migrant workers are shared on the hands of Qatar and FIFA. There is no excuse for this. And what do you expect, Qatar, at the end of the day? I mean, look, I, I, I don't have a problem with Qatar as a nation. I don't have a problem with Qatar as people. I'm not xenophobic. I'm not the furthest thing from racist or any of the above. I, I mean, look, and Doha is, you know, one of the jewels of the Gulf states. But what are you going to do when the World Cup leaves and you have like 10 stadiums and no football? And you're going to look around after a month of tournament and say, was this worth the deaths of nearly 10,000 people? Because it will probably up, be up by that number by the time this is all said and done. I just think we have to put things into perspective, especially uh, uh, after a year where we've what, had two and a half, three million people globally die of COVID, half a million here in the United States. It goes to what I said at the opening. Uh, we have a totally, completely crazy, warped viewpoint on everything. And as sports fans, and I'm sorry, folks, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely digressing here. As sports fans... I think we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, why is it that I'm glued to the television news for 24 hours to find out uh, every doctor's prognostication about Tiger Woods' orthopedic surgery, but I really don't care about half a million American dead over COVID? Or people in Texas struggling, old people with no power, with no water. By the way, my 82-year-old mother lives in Texas. Now, I thank God that she hasn't had to suffer through uh, power outages, but her pipes froze and burst, and there was a long period of time when she didn't have any water. In fact, I don't think she still does. Or I think she does, but she just decided to turn the water on and deal with whatever water damage she has. Apparently, when she called a plumber, they said there were 7,000 calls backed up behind her. This, these, are th these are stories. These are our citizens. These are our families, our friends, our neighbors. 
people of a different, maybe people of a different race, color, creed, religion, political persuasion, whatever. But they're human beings. They're our fellow Americans. Uh, yet we're focused in on Tiger Woods. We love our football. I'm going to talk about the Premier League here in a few minutes. And believe you me, when the World Cup rolls around, I'll be talking with a great deal of glee and excitement about the World Cup because I love the World Cup. But really, should we be talking about the World Cup or should we, should we be asking ourselves, you know, we lived for almost a year without professional sports. Is the World Cup worth 10, 8 to 10,000 lives? Every life that's lost is a family around it. Primarily men. There's a son or a daughter or a wife or a mother, an aunt, an uncle. Is it worth it, folks? Is it worth it for the world's greatest vanity project? I, you know, I, I tend to think not. And should we be looking to do this again? If there's a lesson to be learned here, I know uh, Cutter talks about learning a lesson with each death and trying to, yeah, this is just rubbish. Is there a lesson to be learned here? Yes, there is a lesson to be learned. The World Cup needs to be given to nations and continents and or groups by the way i mean what a great idea in the world cup to have it mexico united states canada spread the wealth in this economic climate should we globally should we really be spending billions and billions and billions of dollars building infrastructure that's just going to be tossed away at the end of the event no we shouldn't it would be better off to have the world cup in places, and hey, listen, we're here in the United States. It's wonderful. We're all, our hands are always up because we have the infrastructure. This is probably one of three nations, four nations on earth that has the infrastructure to hold something like the World Cup and could turn it around in two months if we had to. But to go to a part of the world with small populations, without the infrastructure, and to sort of foist the infrastructure on those people without thinking about who's actually going to be building it, who's actually going to be doing it, who's actually going to be taking the risk. It, it, it's criminal, to be fair. It's criminal. Forget the footballing aspects of having to move the World Cup to December and this, that, and the other. And by the way, um, you know, I, I, I think when I looked at that thing in hindsight... I thought that's probably the, the smallest thing to give up is the rescheduling of the World Cup from a summer tournament to the winter. Because two years ago, I had a totally different outlook on this, completely different outlook. Oh, my God, it's, gonna, it's going to uh, interrupt the European leagues in a big way and force complete schedule changes, and it's going to create you know havoc amongst the leagues that I truly love and follow every week. But... You know, after COVID, after watching the leagues be shut down for four months and Project Restart and watching here in the United States where we didn't have sports and it's come back. You know, these leagues are extremely flexible. So I no longer see that as an absolutely critical issue. What I see as a critical issue are the lives of eight to 10,000 people from... Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and India and Pakistan. People that in general, you know, we here in the United States don't think all that much about. But they are human beings. 
Nepalese, by the way. Lots of Nepalese have... I mean, some of these stories are heart-wrenching. Give it some thought, folks. Look within yourself. Decide what's really, really important. And I know the Premier League is important to you. And I know I've been yattering on about politics to a degree. FIFA politics, really. But just ask yourself. You've got to find your humanity. Deaths are not just numbers and statistics. They're real people and families. Lives impacted across the world. All right. Going to go to break. Come back. Let's talk some more football here on World Soccer Radio. To a little gang of four. Welcome back, World Soccer Radio. I'm your host, Nick Gieber. Uh, by the way, uh, find, me, find me on Twitter, at Nick Gieber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. We are presented by betonline.ag, our, your online sportsbook experts, and I really encourage you to head over there and sign up and bet responsibly, have a little bit of fun with it. And, you know, it is truly our sponsors that keep us on the air. If you enjoy this show, and I certainly hope you do, um, please help our sponsors out. Go over there and just say, hey, I heard Nick talking about you on World Soccer Radio because uh, they need to hear that so that they will say, that's a good sponsorship. We will continue it. All right. (laughs) Okay. Um, Steven Gerrard, Liverpool legend, local boy, uh, fantastic in his day. Uh, If you were lucky enough to uh, see him, hear him, uh, uh, play in the United States when he played with the LA Galaxy, uh, kind of at the tail end of his career, is now managing Glasgow Rangers in Scotland. And if you know much about global football, one of the most heated rivalries on the planet is Celtic and Rangers in Scotland. And yes, the Scottish Premier League is not even a tertiary global league anymore. It is fallen in its impact globally from uh, you know, a, a league that was considered uh, never the big league in the uh, a big big league in the world, but 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 a, a an impactful league. I think that's the way I would look at it in terms of player development, in terms of brands, in terms of team identities. Um, for many for over a century, the Scottish Premier League has been concerned. It wasn't the Scottish Premier League back then, by the way. But I mean, you, Rangers and Celtic we're talking about primarily here. But, uh, teams that are impactful teams. And over the last 15 years or so, the turmoil surrounding both of these clubs has been absolutely enormous, uh, not least of which was Rangers being uh, forced into bankruptcy, um, relegated down due to bankruptcy, and essentially um, re being reborn as as a different uh, club. I mean, in in 2012, um, Rangers was unable unable to reach an agreement with their creditors, uh, so they they actually liquidated. Okay, the the business was sold, and um, 
the assets were sold to a new company, which then renamed itself Rangers Football Club Limited, uh, although most of the team players at that point refused to transfer. Um, but what happened is the new company didn't manage to talk the Scottish Premier League into uh, allowing them in. The Scottish Premier League said, you know what, you're a different company, you're not the same company. You're a different football club. You may have the same name, but you're not the same. So down you go. So they went to the Football League, and they start the lowest division. They they tried to get in um, to the first division. Uh, the Scottish Football Association and the Scottish Premier League had this idea that Rangers would come in in the first division, and then you know a year later would pop right back up through promotion to the Premier League. But they started in the lowest rung of Scottish football in the third division. Playing against teams like East Stirlingshire. (laughs) uh, What's funny is, you know, they played and the crowd was a little less than 50,000, which is a world record for a fourth tier league match in global football. Anyway, so uh, they worked their way up year over year, basically getting promoted just about every year. I think there was one year where they didn't make uh, um, promotion immediately, but they found their way back up into the Scottish Premier League through success on the pitch. So anyone who says Rangers, you know, didn't deserve it, didn't get there, et cetera, et cetera, um, They earned it. <laughs> anyway, where am I going with this? Uh, it, there, there is no love loss between Rangers and Celtic. When when Rangers was uh, relegated to the fourth division, uh, and relegated is probably not the right word, by the way, just to be clear, um, the, the vitriol flowing between uh, Celtic and Rangers was absolutely unreal. There is true hatred between these two clubs, uh, almost to the point where it's, it, this isn't a friendly rivalry like uh, uh, Everton-Liverpool or even a, a sort of uh, a, an unfriendly-ish rivalry with a little bit of edge like, uh, say, a Man United-Liverpool or a Man City-United or a Tottenham-Arsenal. This is hatred, okay? This is sectarian hatred. This is pro- Catholics and Protestants going back a long time. Well, Celtic have been in the driver's seat for nigh on 15 years now. Well, that game is over. Celtic struggling mightily. Neil Lennon, their outspoken manager, a man, by the way, and, and I don't know, just to be clear, I don't know Neil Lennon. I've never met him. I have no, I tell, I have no uh, dog in the uh, Protestant Catholic uh, fight between Celtic and Rangers. Uh, I tend to prefer Rangers because I love the story of uh, hard work and making it back on your own. But, you know, in terms of which team do I follow more, I don't really follow either of them that much. But I tell you what, just from some of his quotes, Neil Lennon strikes me as kind of a nasty piece of work. And And I may be wrong, as I said. I've never met him, so prove me wrong. But he resigned to cut a long story short. And Stephen Gerrard, who is the uh, manager-in-waiting at Liverpool, 
uh, earning his uh, earning his stripes at Rangers, uh, really had some of the most guarded comments about it. It was quite fascinating to see. But Rangers now becoming the uh, 500-pound, 800-pound gorilla or whatever the heck it is uh, in Scotland. Um, but Neil Lennon uh, calling it a day at Celtic. And, and I wonder who now will pick it up at Celtic. Um, I think, yeah, Brendan Rodgers. Now, you, you may remember Brendan Rodgers, uh, or you may, you may know, of course, Brendan Rodgers, manager of Leicester City, former manager of Liverpool, um, doing an absolutely bang-up job, by the way, at Leicester City. What a great match is. Much like David Moyes and his match at Everton when he was there, and now seemingly his match at West Ham, uh, you know, I, th I think this is just a really good fit for Brendan Rodgers at Leicester City. But anyway, he was the manager of Celtic. He, when he left in February 2019, uh, Neil Lennon took over again. This was his second stint at the club. They did win two titles, two Scottish Cups. They did win a League Cup. Anyway, um, that's the news. I just have a little bit of time left. So I'm wondering if I have enough time to do this match preview or I should uh, wait and do it for you tomorrow i think i'm gonna wait and do it for you tomorrow because i got five minutes left and we have a whole bunch of matches let's take a look though there are some great ones coming up man city west ham by the way what a great match that is and you know what if you have let's just take a look at some odds shall we if you want to take a, a nice flyer on a long shot odds here not that i think this is going to happen but you know if you like a little gamble and you have just a little bit of gambling money. I mean, really a little bit. West Ham are plus 1,100 to win at the Etihad. And a draw plus 490. Now, keep in mind, we're talking West Ham United here. We're not talking about Sheffield United. We're talking about the team currently sitting in fourth place in the league. The team that has lost one match since the end of December. A team really working well under the steady hand and system of David Moyes. Uh, are they better than Man City? Oh, no, 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 no. No, they're not better. They're not better than Man City. Are they capable of getting a win or a draw away? Absolutely. Plus 1,100, the odds for a West Ham win. Plus 490 for a draw. That is a real tease right there. You might want to think about a little gamble understanding it's a gamble you're more likely to lose your money than you are to pick it up but if you put 10 bucks on it and it's plus 1100 well say no more uh leeds aston villa that's going to be a really really fun match at ellen road um right now leeds are the favorites at plus 127 um newcastle wolves by the way steve bruce oh he is definitely living a tenuous life there in newcastle um, let's have a look. Leicester City, Arsenal, another huge, huge match. Arsenal, um, <laughs> you know, I just, you just don't. Arsenal have been a thoroughly inconsistent team this this year. Uh, I don't necessarily blame Arteta for it. I mean, they had that run between uh, Boxing Day and um, the end of January where they were unbeaten. That was what a six or seven game run. But then, you know, they lose three of the last four. So you, you just don't know what you get with Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal are playing Leicester City, and Brendan Rodgers has this Leicester City side firing on all cylinders. They are, quite frankly, a joy to watch since December. They've lost one match yeah, since uh, before Christmas. 
In fact, uh, in uh, since December in general, they've only lost two matches. That's you know that's an astounding number. L as in astoundingly low. <laughs> Impressive. Leicester Arsenal. Leicester are the favourites at plus 143. Arsenal plus 189. Take your pick. Uh, Chelsea Man United, obviously the big, big match of the weekend at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea are the favourites at plus 126 on the money line. Again, all of these odds courtesy of our title sponsor, betonline.ag. Man United plus 230. Uh, the draw plus 220. You know what? I will give you my picks on all of these tomorrow. I'm just saying this is a really fun one. Uh, Sheffield United, Liverpool. By the way, Liverpool away from home at Bramall Lane playing the worst team in the league are only minus 233. That's how far the mighty have fallen. I'll go down these matches in detail with you tomorrow, I think, because I really am out of time. I've got a minute and a half left here, and that's not enough time to give you my match breakdown. So think of today as a teaser show. I kind of teased you about what we were going to get into. But I had to get this stuff about FIFA off my chest because, um, you know, we have to, uh, as people, as human beings, we have to reassess our priorities in life. And, and the last year without sport has really given me an opportunity to make that reassessment. And look, I'm a father of three. Uh, you know, I love my children dearly. I have family. I love my family. But, you know, there, there are things that you think are important, and then there's things that you think are important. And uh, I just think this, this whole thing this last year has really refocused, should refocus us on the things that are truly important. And really, a the world's largest vanity project, the World Cup, is it truly worth the lives of 8,000 people, 10,000 people? Look in the mirror and ask yourself that question. I, I think you all have to say no. When you could have it in China, or you could have it in the United States, Mexico, you could have it in Europe, you could have it all over Europe. Why not? And again, I, I will I will credit I will credit Pla uh, Michelle Platini for the sort of pan-European uh, Euros, which we got to look forward to, by the way. All right, I've got to go to break. We'll come back, wrap it up here, World Soccer Radio. All right, welcome back, World Soccer Radio. I'm your host, Nick Eber. Twitter me, twatter me, reach out and flatter me. You can find me on Twitter, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash World Soccer Radio. Let's continue the discussion outside of the show. Love to chat to you. Lots of uh, my listeners do reach out, and we do have some fairly robust discussions. I can't say I agree with them all the time, particularly those pesky Man United supporters, but... I do love to hear from you, so please do that. Uh, just a reminder, Monday through Friday, I grace these airways. Uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. on the Eastern Standard Time, or Daylight Time, or whatever you're on. And then again, Midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. on the East Coast, if you're listening on Sports Overnight America for all you early birds. Uh, I love to do the show, and I really appreciate you making me a regular part of of your week. Once again, we are presented by betonline.ag. It's a great place to go and appease your sports betting Jones, if you have that. 
But whatever you do, just do it responsibly, please. I keep telling you this because I don't want to be responsible for you, you know, betting your kids' college money or what have you and creating all sorts of problems in your family. And Nick, my wife left me. I gambled all my money. Well, don't do that, people. Just have fun with it. If you're going to go to the movies, not that anyone can these days, <laughs> and spend 50 bucks, you know, maybe that 50 bucks could find its way to a little bit of healthy sports betting. But okay, you get the idea. All right, I will be back on the air with you tomorrow with loads more here on World Soccer Radio. So I do hope you will join me. And if you miss any part of this show, that's any part at all, uh, you can find me on our podcast network. Just head over to the Believe, B-L-E-A-V, podcast network and subscribe to this show, World Soccer Radio. And there are loads of other shows there as well for your enjoyment and edification. So if you head over to our podcast network again, Believe, B-L-E-A-V, or wherever you get your podcasts, that's Spotify, um, you know, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, you get it. It's everywhere. All right. Well, have a great, great night. I'll chat to you tomorrow. Until then, cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.